Uh, so glad the Lord's presence is here right now. I'm thankful that you're here. Labor Day weekend. Figure this out. We have a holiday to, to celebrate labor and it's no work. Go figure. Only in America. <laughs> only in America. I'm thankful that God gives us the opportunity to reach out to Him today. Amen. I believe God is able to do exceeding abundantly. Amen. He's a mighty God. I want to get you connected to that mighty God today. Turn to somebody and say, He's here. The Lord is here. Not the pastor or the preacher or the singer, but the Lord is here. Amen. <clears throat> I read the other day, one New Year's Day in uh, California at the Tournament of Roses Parade, which is one of the largest and most elaborate New Year's Day celebrations. Uh, they go all out in decorating the floats and making beautiful those uh, presentations that suddenly <clears throat> that procession sputtered to a stop and everything came to a standstill because one of the floats had run out of gas. All of this is on national TV. Everybody sees what's going on. And, and this float has stopped the whole progress of this uh, parade. And it held up all of these other beautiful floats. And the funny thing about it was that the float represented the Standard Oil Company. <laughs> Go figure that one. Folks, even good people can run out of gas sometimes. That's why you need to come to church regularly. That's why you need to worship the Lord with God's people regularly so you can get fueled up and you won't find yourself in that kind of embarrassing situation. Amen. I believe God wants to load somebody up today with strength and help. I believe that with all of my heart. Turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 1. <clears throat> A portion of scripture that most people don't read except at Christmas time. But I want to direct your attention to uh, that first chapter of Luke. And I am going to uh, begin uh, with verse number 26 and read a few verses and then I'm going to skip down uh, for the sake of time. Thank you again, visitors, for being here. Please stop by the office. If you're a first-time guest, we have a gift for you uh, and we would like to meet you again. Luke chapter 1, verse 26, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at this saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation or what manner of greeting this should be. And the angel went on to tell her that she is not to fear because you are favored of God and you're going to conceive and you're going to bring forth a child. His name shall be called Jesus 
And when all of that revelation came to her, what the Lord was uh, uh, wanting to do in her life, it was overwhelming. And so skipping down to verse number 34, And then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered her and told her how it was going to happen. And told her some other things that would help confirm this in her life. Then verse 37, the angel speaks one of the most powerful principles of the word of God. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Say that with me. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Verse 38, and Mary said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. I want to talk to you for a few moments this morning from this subject. A prayer that can change your life forever. A prayer that can change your life forever. Turn to somebody and say, the Lord is about to speak to you. Amen. All right? Say it to them. The Lord is about to speak to you. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated in Jesus' name. <clears throat> I'm sure that if you listen carefully to what I just said, some of you may think that Perhaps my title is a stretch that you could pray one prayer and it changed your life forever. But the truth is, that is exactly what I'm trying to say to you. It may sound too good to be true to some people, but I've come this morning to declare to you that it isn't too good to be true. I, I mentioned just a moment ago that our text is one of those portions of Scripture that most people only pull out and read at certain times of the year. And, and yet it has such a powerful message. And when I began to look at it, it just got a hold of me and something about what the Word was speaking to me, I felt compelled to bring it to you this morning. How instructive is the message of this passage and how enlightening is Mary's experience on this particular occasion. Consider with me, if you will, when all of this visitation transpired. Think with me, if you will, of the time in Mary's life when this event happened. Most historians, and I, I don't know how to argue differently, but most historians believe that Mary was probably between the ages of 14 and 16 when this encounter happened. How many do we have in here this morning that are between the ages of 14 and 16. You young lady, raise your hand. One, there's a young man. 
It was at your age that that what you just read all transpired. Now, I am certain that just as sure as these 14, 15, 16-year-olds have plans and dreams and aspirations and desires for their life, there is no doubt that Mary, too, had those same kind of feelings. And the truth was that when this angel came to visit her, it was just another day. It wasn't Christmas. That's after it happened. This is before it happened. It wasn't a holiday. It wasn't a weekend. It wasn't a Sunday, perhaps. It was just an ordinary day in the life of this young teenager. And it was in that setting that God stepped into her life and began to speak to her things that when she responded to them in the right way, they were going to change her life forever. That when she came out from this encounter, she would never be the same person that she was prior to this experience. And it was just like many of our young people today. They, <clears throat> there was nothing special about that moment. And if you think about it, you will, you will see that her life was not a whole lot different than many of your lives and even mine. Any young woman would have had dreams for her life. And she had no doubt plans for the future, for we know that she was engaged. And there is no young woman that's ever been engaged that doesn't have plans for the future. Amen. Even though it may have been an arranged setting, the fact is that she was engaged. And so that tells me that there were plans. And she was no, no, no doubt busy with preparation in her mind and in her life. For that day that was going to come. And then came this encounter that would literally change her life forever. Here in this, what I call a life-defining moment. Say that with me. A life-defining moment. A life-defining moment came to her. And in that intimate setting, God began to speak to her about her future and how her life played into God's eternal plan. How many times do the unexpected experiences of life affect us in ways that we cannot even imagine? We think it was just a chance encounter. We think it was just a fluke. It was just uh, uh, some aberration of, of, of the normal pace of life. We think that it couldn't be. This, this unplanned moment, this unexpected time, what chance is there that she would encounter something that would forever alter her life. But that 
is how life really is. They, it is the unexpected and the unplanned moments that can make or break a person's life. And so, as often is, these life-changing moments come to us disguised as a problem. Because what the angel of the Lord was talking to her about was a big problem to her life, being a single young woman, never having known a man, engaged to be married, and now she receives the news from this visitor that she has been chosen by God, that she is highly favored of God, and God wants to use her as part of His divine plan. What a problem that presented. But is it not true in life that many of the defining moments or the life-changing moments of our life come disguised to us as a problem? That's why you, you, you never despise the day of small things and you never ignore problems in your life. Because I have discovered this about living for God. I never have made much progress in living for God when I wasn't dealing with the problem. I made progress when I was going through the most difficult thing in my life. I was going the most, going to the most hard to understand moment. None of it makes sense. That's when God uses that moment to advance me and bring me to that place where I need to be. So I've got a word for some people here this morning that are frustrated about some problems in your life. Maybe you need to open your eyes and let your ears listen because God may be trying to do something in that moment of your problem that can forever change your life from here to eternity. Amen. Your, your problems are many times the source of the progress in your life. Amen. Say that with me. My problems many times are the source of my progress. And so here was this problem that God presented to her. And it was a life-refining moment. It was a life-changing moment for Mary. And it came in the form of this unbelievable problem. Pregnancy. Out of wedlock. Now, we live in a culture where that's no big deal. But back then, and folks, I want to tell you, it is a big deal. It is a big deal. Amen. But back then, it was really a big deal. So much so that if a man were to find out that the woman he's about to marry is with child, he could put her away. And by doing that, when he said put her away, that means she would never be able to marry or have a relationship of a husband or a family for the rest of her life. That's how powerful the decision could be at that moment to change her life and put her in a place where it would be nothing but misery and darkness for the rest of her life. But in fact, 
Here was a life-developing moment for Mary. And God in that moment, God begins to reveal to her His divine purpose for her life. And it was a very personal thing that God wanted to do through her. It was a very intimate thing that God had in mind for her life. And so it is for all of us. God has a plan for our lives. Listen to me this morning. God has a divine purpose for your plan, your life that is unique to you alone. And it is very personal and it is very intimate. And when you listen to that purpose and you do your best to fulfill that purpose, you will find your life in a different level of living. You will find your life brought to a higher plane and you will find yourself fellowshipping with the power and the mysteries of an almighty God. Can I come again this morning and remind all of you that are here this day that God has a plan for your life that you are not just a random bag of neutrons and protons and molecules bumping around inside that body of skin and bones. But there is a divine mark upon your life. And God has a divine purpose for you. And if you will just listen to what the Holy Ghost is saying, and you will listen to what the Spirit of God is trying to speak into your life, it could change your life forever. Somebody said amen. Understanding that God has a plan for your life can drastically improve your life. I believe the reason a lot of people are hung up in the habits of drugs and alcohol and a lot of the other abusive things that we do to our bodies is because they do not understand that God has a divine plan for their life. Many of them have been told all of their life that you're a mistake, that you're a problem, that you are trouble, that you have issues. And so over time, people begin to buy into that language and that terminology. And they begin to treat themselves in the manner in which people speak of them. You're just a no good, you're a no account kid. You're never going to amount to anything and so they grow into what is prophesied or spoken over their life. But you, just like Mary, have an opportunity this morning for a life-changing moment and a life-defining moment in your life that you don't have to be stuck in that rut and that, that life that is nothing but a drag. But God has a will for your life. And when you begin to understand that, that I'm not an accident, that I didn't just come into this world for no reason at all, that there's a purpose for me being here. When you begin to embrace that, it will drastically improve your life and your perspective on living. And if you can lift your eyes and see it, it will actually elevate your life to a, a higher level of living because you have a purpose. Somebody say that with me. I have a purpose. Come on, say it again. I have a purpose. I have a purpose. There's meaning in my life. I am not here just to take up space 
and breathe the good air and then die in a wormy grave. But God breathed into my breath, into my nostrils, the breath of life. God curiously wrought my body and my life when He created me and I refuse to live on a plane that does not see that develop to its fullest. I refuse to let the devil tell me that I'm no good or that I don't count or I'm no matter. I'm here to tell somebody you do count. God has a divine purpose for your life and you mean something to Him and God has a word for your life. Hallelujah. And as you can only imagine... Mary's reaction to God's revelation was nothing but normal. It was typical. She was afraid. When people start talking to you about your life has a purpose and the preacher starts talking about quit wasting your life and start living on purpose, it makes people afraid. They get tense. They, they, they get nervous because now all of a sudden... I've got to think about this situation. Prior to this, I can drown it in drugs. I can drown it in alcohol. I can drown it in some kind of lifestyle that, that, that uh, takes me down the wrong path. But when I begin to understand that God is trying to speak to my life and He speaks with a plan and a purpose, it makes me fearful and afraid. What she heard was absolutely too amazing. You, you talking to me? Are, are you, you, you talking to this Mary? Are, are you talking to this? Is there somebody else in the room that I'm not aware of? Am, am I hearing things? Is this just a dream or is this a reality? Most of us are afraid of the personal dealings of God in our life. We are fearful because, first of all, when God begins to work in our life, we immediately feel unworthy. We, we don't deserve that. And we feel not only unworthy, but we feel the limitation. Does God know what He's dealing with here? And we feel our human weaknesses and we say, Oh God, you, you, you can't be saying that about me. You can't mean that for my life. You, you don't, you haven't been looking lately. You, you haven't been paying attention to me. I have too many shortcomings. But perhaps the most unsettling thing beside the fear was the realization that this news brought to her life. That if this word was true, if, if what she was hearing was true, then something was going to have to change in her life. Something was going to have to change in her life. And so it gave way to hesitation. When the angel began to reveal to her the plan and purpose of God, her immediate reaction was to pull back. Twice the angel says, fear not. Twice he speaks to calm her fear and bring down the anxiety and the stress level. And then I think he spoke those words to help her understand that this change that's coming to your life is going to be the best thing that has ever happened to you. Amen. And so this is a sticking point for a lot of people. Most would rather go their own way and do their own thing than to have to think about change. Amen. 
Change. Everybody say change. And Mary, so much like us, saw not only the lack of reality, but she saw the impossibility of what God was trying to say to her. She saw the limitations in her own life. She saw the fallacies of such thoughts. You know, it's amazing what, what, when I'm preaching sometimes, I, I watch people's face. And I watch their reaction to some of the things that I say. And it's amazing. It is amazing what you reveal about yourself when I make some statements. Because I can see it. It's on your face. Are you talking to me? You, you, you know what I'm going through right now? You, you know where I am? You, you know what I had to put up just to get to church this morning? You're lucky I'm not snapping everybody's head off. I see it. You, you, you can see that look on their face when God's Word is read or God's Word is spoken or God's Word is preached. It's almost as if you, you, you say, Brother Hughes, what were you drinking this morning? There, 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 there's a fallacy. There, there. You, you got the wrong revelation. You got the wrong number. Yeah, I know what I'm talking about. I've seen it on some of your faces already this morning. It is that questioning of the reality of what God's Spirit is wanting to do in your life and what God's wanting to accomplish in your life at this particular moment. And so Mary... She saw the impossibility and she saw the limitations to such plans and she saw the fallacy in the thoughts that were coming to her mind. And so she immediately raises an objection to this plan that God has for her life. And she says, how can it be? Now, I don't know how sarcastic you can make that, but I kind of feel like she might have been, you know... Sometimes women can be pretty, uh, they, they have ways with words that men just don't have. And I'm not being, I'm not trying to slap any ladies here, please don't. But I'm just telling you, you women have ways with words that we men just, we haven't figured that out yet. And so I'm just wondering, she got her hands on her hips, maybe, I don't know. I'm not trying to read anything. I'm just wondering, she just said, okay, now how, how is How's that going to happen? You know what's so funny about all this? Is that we are ignorant enough to think that our questions are questions that God has never thought of. That God never figured that one out. Oh, God just wanted to bring to your attention. How is this going to be? How, how, how is this going to happen? How understandable it is for her to object because she's single. She's never known a man. She's never been involved in that kind of a relationship. And so there are, hear me, there are too many limitations and there are too many problems 
And there are too many issues related with that kind of thinking. There were reasons why it could not happen. There were logical reasons why it could not happen. And we think, or, or, or we think that God has missed something. And we, when we think of what God is trying to speak to us, we say, God, that, that, that can never happen. I, I can never have that kind of marriage. I can never have that kind of home. I can never have that kind of personal life. We begin to think of what God is expecting of us and we say, how can this be? And it was true so far as the flesh was concerned, it was impossible. As long as you and I look through the eyes of flesh, it's always going to be impossible. As long as we look through our humanity, it's always going to be unsolvable. It's always going to be improbable. From the human point of view and from the earthly perspective, what God speaks into our life many times doesn't make one lick of sense and it doesn't even sound reasonable. What God is wanting of me, what He is expecting of me, but that's where our problem is. We have allowed that kind of thinking to limit us far too long to God's possibilities. What you and I must never forget is that God has an answer to my objections. And God has an answer to my how can this be. And God has an answer to my impossibility. And God has an answer to I, it could never be. And God has an answer to it will never be. That can never happen in my life. And we like Mary set limitations on our lives by our thinking Everybody say that with me. We set limitations on our life by our thinking. We limit the possibility of God in our lives with our weak thinking. Be careful how you are thinking because how you are thinking is going to affect you much more than you can even imagine. And as long as Mary viewed things from the human perspective, it was impossible. But if you ever... If you ever get his perspective, if you ever can see your life through the lens of his eyes, you say, Brother Hughes, that's impossible. No, it's not. Every time you read this book, every time you open this passage, you are looking at your life through his perspective. This is his word. This is his word about you, about me, about our life. So every time I open this book and I read, I am actually looking through the eyes of God at life and humanity and possibility and purpose and meaning. And when I read this book, I am defining my life according to what God says about me, not what my flesh says about me. I am defining my life by what God said I could do and not what man says I can do. Man said it'll never happen. The doctor said it's impossible. But when you read this book, my Bible said that with God, nothing shall be impossible. My Bible tells me that I am more than a conqueror, that I can rise to a better life. I can be a better person than I have ever been in my whole life. Amen. That's why this word 
needs to be so important in your life. And that's why the devil works so hard to keep you out of this book. Because the longer you stay out of this book, the more you look through these eyes. And the more you look through these eyes, the more impossible, the harder, the more difficult It's never going to be. I'll never be any better. I'm not ever going to get past this. I'm never going to overcome this. I'm always going to be addicted. I'm always going to be struggling with this habit. As long as you look through these eyes, that's all you'll ever see. But if you can ever open this book and begin to read what he said about your life, about my life, about all of our lives, and we begin to understand it from this perspective, we realize that God has always had an answer to our objection. And he's already figured out beforehand how he can work it out and make it happen. Hallelujah. Listen to me. You better be careful what your thinking is. Because your thinking can limit the very hand of God in your life. From you being what God designed and called you to be. How many things are we looking at right now in our lives. From a mere human perspective. And a human level. That if we would allow God to touch our eyes and we would allow ourselves to see life through this lens, how it would change our feelings and our thoughts and our desires and our whole life. It would not be impossible any longer. It would be all things are possible to him that believes. Amen. It would be greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. It would be if God be for us, who can be against us? It would be no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. It would be when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord is going to lift up a standard. When you begin to look at life through the perspective of His Word, all of the limitations that have been on your life, all of the reasoning that was behind Mary's protest, all of it just crumbled at her feet. When God began to tell her, I'm going to tell you how it's going to happen. It's going to happen by way of the Holy Ghost. It's going to happen by way of my power in your life. Not what you can do. Not what you can get accomplished. But what I can do in your life. You need to understand me this morning. We need to be careful of our thinking lest we limit God's possibilities in our life. And we restrict the blessings of God that He wants to bring to us. And listen to me. We act sometimes and we think as though God is not aware of our limitations. But folks, He's already factored that into the equation. He's already factored in the fact that you can't. Alright? So get over that. He's already factored in the fact that you don't have the resources. That you don't have the personal skills. That you don't have the wherewithal. God has already factored that into the equation and he knew what she could do and what she could not do. Before he ever sent an angel to visit Mary, he knew exactly what she was capable of doing. And I go back to what I preached a couple of weeks ago. All he asked you to do is what you can do. 
All He asks of you to do is what you have the ability to do. God, unlike man, will never call you to do something that you are incapable of doing. If He calls you to do it, you can count on it. You can do it through Him. You may not be able to do it in yourself, and you won't be able to do it with your human thinking, but if you ever start looking at life through His perspective, you will realize that God gives you the power to rise above those problems and rise above the impossibilities of life and put your feet on solid ground and live your life with purpose and meaning. These are the amazing words that fell to Mary's ears. The Holy Ghost shall come upon you and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. That's God's answer to your dilemma. If you and I could only learn to live in the power of God's presence, what a difference it would make. All the things that were impossible suddenly became possible. Amen. And when it began to dawn on Mary, and I'm getting to the close and I'm getting to my point. I preached all that. That was just a prelude, okay? I'm getting to my point. When it began to dawn on Mary what was possible in her life, her attitude changed. When it began to dawn on her that she was not as limited as she thought she was. She was not as restricted as she imagined she was. That it was not as impossible as she thought. It changed her attitude. And she became empowered by what the angel was saying. And she prayed a simple prayer that changed her life forever. Listen to me. She prayed a simple prayer that changed her life forever. And this is her prayer. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And when those words fell from her lips, the chains were broken, the limitations were removed, the fear that had so crowded her mind and the frustration that had filled her heart with impossibility, all of that began to fall away as she prayed that simple prayer. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And by one simple prayer, Mary's life was changed forever. Listen to me. If somehow this morning I could help somebody in this building see what is possible in him and through him and by him, I would be satisfied. Because that kind of knowledge would change your life forever. It would, it would change the way you talk about life. It would change the way you feel about life. It would change the way you interact with people. It would take that meanness out of you. It, it would take that hard edge off of life. 
when you're afraid to let your boundaries down because you've been hurt so many times, if you could understand what could happen in that kind of prayer, if you talk about blessed. You talk about happy. You talk about joy. You talk about an amazing life. You talk about a journey. You would begin a journey that would literally blow your mind simply by saying to Him, Lord, Thy will be done in my life. Whatever you're saying, whatever you've said about me, let it be done in my life. A simple prayer with a powerful outcome. And that's the way most prayers of any worth are. They're simple yet profound because it bore the marks of her soul. It was the prayer of submission. When she prayed that prayer, there was no more protest. When she prayed that prayer, there were no more excuses. When she prayed that prayer, there was nothing but surrender. When she prayed that prayer, that's what God was waiting on in her life. It was a prayer of utter abandonment to the purpose of God. She was saying, here I am. Do whatever with me that you please. I'm tired of being limited by human elements. I'm tired of being limited by human impossibilities. I'm tired of missing the best for my life. And so she said, Lord, this is your handmaid. So be it as your word has spoken. Amen. I need to close. But I want you to think with me for just a moment before I do of what Mary set in motion in that moment through that prayer. Think about it. Think of what Mary set in motion that morning, that evening, that night, whenever it happened. What did she set in motion? Not only for her life, but her family, the future of the world, God's divine plan for mankind. What could you set in motion this morning by such a simple prayer as, Not my will, but thy will be done. What could you put in motion this morning by simply surrendering your struggle? I, I, I feel the Holy Ghost so strongly right now. I don't even, I hope I'm communicating to somebody. But there are people that are here this morning that are struggling in your life and you're trying to make it on your own. You're trying to make it by yourself. You pull yourself up by your bootstrap. You don't need anybody to help you. You won't let anybody help you. But I'm here to tell you that the most that you can do for your life is never going to get you out of the hell or the misery that you're living in. The only way you're going to get to that place you need to be is by doing what Mary did. She prayed a simple prayer. Here is your handmaid, so be it unto me. And what she set in motion that day is staggering to think about. What happens, what can happen this morning by simply surrendering your will or your plans or your purpose. Also as staggering is the thought of what would have been voided what would have been missed if Mary had not prayed that prayer? 
there would have been no Bethlehem. Not for her. There would have been no Bethlehem. There would have been no Jesus for her. There would have been no Calvary for her. There would have been no church for her. There would have been no salvation for her. If she had done what some are trying to do this morning, and that's fold the windows and pull the shades down. I don't want to hear that, Brother Hughes. I don't need to hear that. I, 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 don't, I, I don't want to hear that. You listen to me this morning. Some of you sitting here this morning are being greatly affected by some stinking thinking in your life. And you have, you have allowed the weakness of your humanity... To determine the level of your spirituality. And it's not very high. Because when you try to serve God on that level. You're never going to be good enough. You're never going to be perfect enough. You're never going to be anything enough. None of us. None of us. None of us can make it without the empowerment of His Spirit. That's why you need the Holy Ghost in your life. It's not just some freaky experience that Pentecostals have. It is an experience that God wants every living human being to have. The empowerment of His Spirit when it comes into your life. The Bible said when it happened at Pentecost, they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. But it was an empowerment. It was something that came into their life to change them forever. Forever, forever. What could you be missing this morning by simply not being willing to say, as Mary said, God, I don't understand how you're going to do it when I look in the mirror of my life and I see all the failure and the frustration and I see all of the missed things. I don't know how it can work out, but God... As thy word has said, so be it unto me. Not my will, but thy will be done. What could you set in motion right now in your life? If you would just surrender. Some of you are struggling with unforgiveness in your life. Some of you are struggling with bitterness over things that's happened through life. Some of you struggle with resentments because... Of your upbringing. I used to hear a particular woman that, that had a very negative slant to her life. And it was because <clears throat> she didn't get past the third grade. Although she had grown up and become a mother of five children. And had taught them all how to live for God. She carried with her this misgiving about life that she was not as educated as other people. And so there was always this edge on her life that when somebody said something, she would take what they said and she would skew it through that prism of her life 
And it would always come out as a personal attack. It would always come out as they think they're better than I am. And so she suffered from a severe inferiority complex most of her life. And there are people here in this place today that struggle with issues in your life because you're not looking at your life through this prism. You're not looking at what God said. In, I don't care how impossible it is. I don't care how improbable it is. I don't care what the world, the flesh, the devil, or the doctor, or lawyer, or anybody else. God's Word, more often than not, has something better to say about my situation than anybody else. And all that I need to do is just open my mouth and begin to talk to Him in the simplest of terms, in the simplest prayer. God, here I am. I want Your will done in my life. I want Your will done in my life. I want Your divine purpose accomplished in my life. I want You to fulfill that dream, that desire that You have of me. What blessings would be released in this building this morning? What could happen to your family this morning? What, what kind of impact would it have on your children or your friends or your neighbors? If you would just stand before God in that vulnerable place that Mary was, staggered by the news and the word that had come to her life, Wrestling through all the fears and the what-ifs and the knots and the can'ts. She finally takes hold of the Word of God. That's the only thing I have to base my hope on. Is the Word. And so I'm going to stand on that Word. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. I remember hearing of one of our minister's wives who was sick with cancer. She had been struggling with it for a long time and up in the wee hours of the morning praying and talking to God about her problem. And finally, out of an inspiration of the moment, she took her Bible and she placed it on the floor and she stood on her Bible. Not desecrating it, but she stood on that word. And she said, God, I am what your word says I am. I am healed by your stripes. I am well by your stripes. And God did a miraculous work. He healed her. A missionary's wife lay beside the bed of her sick child that was at the point of death. All she had to hold on to was the Word. But she took that Word and she laid it out over her child and said, God, all my life I've tried to live by this book. And this is all that I had to stand on. The doctors don't give me hope. Even my family have given up. But Your Word, I stand on it. I'm here to tell somebody that there's power in this Word. 
It's not just another book. I don't care what the theologians of the time have to say about it, trying to dissect it and take out of it things they don't believe. The best thing to do is just embrace the book and believe what he said and see what transpires in your life because it can change your life forever. It can change your mentality. It can change your attitude toward life. It can change your attitude toward people. It can improve your family relationships if you would just allow your life to be viewed through the prism of God's Word. Stand with me. God has a plan. God has a plan for your life that trumps any plans that you have for yourself. And God has a purpose for your life that's far better than any that you could imagine. And the only way that you can connect His purpose with your life, His plan with your future, is by way of a simple prayer. Have thine own way, Lord. Have Thy will be done. I wonder, I just wonder this morning. I know it's I know it's a sensitive thing, and I'm not trying to expose anybody here today. I'm certainly not trying to embarrass anybody, but you're here this morning. And you're wrestling with some impossibilities in your life or your family. Your your future is in doubt. I want to ask you to come and just stand with me here at the altar. Would you do that? Come on. Don't look around to see who's going to come or who's going to respond. If you feel the tug of God's Spirit, if you felt like God's words talked to you today, come on. Just come and stand here at the altar of the Lord. Oh, God.